Michigan-UCLA. That's the matchup that we're all paying attention to right now. Michigan has a small 15-12 to 12 lead. It's been a lot of favorites. Uh, Gonzaga, the favorite, ended up winning today. Unfortunately, my next guest had USC. And I'll bring a little bit of the conversation that we had off the air, on the air, because it really is interesting about Gonzaga now with what they're doing. And they are a team that's maybe a couple wins away from making history and and being one of the best teams in college basketball. But how do you bet that? Because now you're betting on something that's never happened before. And so maybe you should bet against it. Well, Mark Drumheller is joining me on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline. Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. Visit drglatt.com. Follow Mark Drumheller at X underscore Drumheller. Uh, how are you approaching Gonzaga? Because you, you're, we were talking about this uh, during the break, and you're right that you know, you're, you're kind of betting on something that's never really happened before with Gonzaga and the way they're dominating and how they're dominating and that they're undefeated and winning games by an average margin of 23 points during the regular season and 24 points during the postseason like that that just it's hard to keep that up right yeah I mean listen uh, you know going into the final four I'm definitely approaching them with caution put my hands on the stove a little bit tonight and got burnt so uh you know it, it's it's fascinating to see what they're doing and you know one of the things going into the tournament was you know Ken is Gonzaga just going to run the table and if they got beat what type of team you know, would match up well with them or be able to beat them or at least give them a run for the money. And um, I thought USC checked some of those boxes. I thought, you know, in order to beat Gonzaga, you know, you have to make them play on the perimeter. You can't let them inside. Um, And I thought USC might have the defense to where they could do that with some of their big bodies and kind of make them more perimeter shooting and just hope they don't shoot well. But, um, you know, we saw the guards just couldn't match up and they were getting into the hole with USC on the, the offensive side just couldn't shoot well enough at all um, in order to keep pace with Gonzaga. And it got ugly early. So I think that, you know, we're going to need to see a defensive team kind of step up to slow them down. But it has to be a deep defensive team as well. What do you think, if if any, I mean, the Houston good defensively, but they can't score offensively, mm-hmm. that would be a tough matchup. I mean, all signs are pointing to... Uh, I mean, Gonzaga would have to play Michigan, and that could be a tough matchup because I think Jawan Howard has been game-planning a lot, but I think Gonzaga does win it. I think the the one matchup, and this team doesn't have size, but from what I saw in this game, size isn't really is, is what's going to beat them. you got to take away the driving lanes. you got to take away these guards from being able to play inside because Drew Timmy, I, I mean, he's not going to take over a game. He did really well in this one, but I think where they got burned is... USC was trying so hard to stop Timmy, and they didn't end up doing it, and then the guards were taking advantage of these wide-open driving lanes. I think a a team like Baylor is the one that matches up actually very well against this team. That's where their athleticism on the perimeter is good. Like a guy like Davion Mitchell, you're not going to drive in the lane very much on him. That's where I think the really tough matchup happens for Gonzaga. Is that the one you think is finally the the one that's going to test Gonzaga? Or is there somebody else? Do you think Michigan or, I mean, if UCLA moves on, UCLA could? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think any of these teams left, if you, if you look at Michigan um, and just how well they play as a team, you know what I mean? And I think that, you know, Juwan Howard's obviously done an incredible job. Yeah, he um, deserves they, a lot of credit. Like, man, he has done a tremendous job during the tournament. Yeah, and they have size down low, so they can do some different things, you know, as far as the game plan going in against Gonzaga. And, you know, you look at Houston, 
Um, they don't have the offense to match them. So I agree with you. I think Baylor is probably a better matchup. But even Baylor with all that athleticism, even if they're shooting well and they can they can hang with Gonzaga, um, they're going to have to not get in foul trouble early. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. Like, we know Davion Mitchell, you know, can lock anyone down, and, and they're, they're so athletic. But, um, you know, Gonzaga is going to be a handful for anyone. So it's I think all three of them, those remaining three teams have a chance in different ways, but it, it's tough, man. Like, you, you really just have to kind of hope and pray that Gonzaga has an off-night shooting and you can kind of make them one-dimensional. Like, I really think that's the key. But um, those teams that are left all play differently. You know, like you talked about Houston. Um, they're a team I was very high on going into it, and they're the Ravens, right? Like, let's be honest, right? They're the, you know, college basketball's version of the Ravens. They're all defense. Um, you know, and they're, they, they score enough to win. They do enough of the little things, the hustle plays, the rebounding. They clean up the glass. Uh, would they be able to do that against Gonzaga, a team that's so diverse and can beat you so many different ways? I don't know. I don't think, it, you know, I think it's tough for anyone to match up against Gonzaga, to be honest with you. Yeah, going to be really tough. Uh, they're obviously winning games uh, in the regular season by over 20 points and in the postseason over 20 points. I mean, they're the best basketball team for a reason, and they're about to make history for a reason. Uh, we're talking with Mark Drumheller on the Dr. Glatt Reed Grow Your Hairline at X underscore Drumheller is where you can find him on the Twitter machine. Michigan 17-16 lead over UCLA. Uh, what was your play for tonight? This line's uh, at 5.5 now uh, that you would have to lay on Michigan. I'm on the Wolverines. I don't think very early on this is going to dictate anything. It's been a very low-scoring game. I mean, uh, 17-16 is the score with... Four minutes left, just a little over four minutes left in the first half. Uh, so what have you seen from this game? It seems like it's going to be close, but do you think Michigan ends up pulling away, or what are you at on this? Yeah, I do. I, I really do. I'm on Michigan here, minus six um, that, that I got you know, before the game started, and you know, I'm pretty comfortable with it. I think eventually they can wear UCLA down. The one thing I was worried about is, is, you know, is UCLA going to come out shooting hot um, you know, like they did against Bama. But if you look at that Bama game, I mean, that was really a byproduct of, and I love this UCLA team. Like, I've won a lot of money. It was hard for me to bet against them because I've won a lot of money on them so far in the tournament. But, you know, the way that they've gotten there, you know, they've overachieved, obviously. But against, you know, a team like Bama, like Bama really had so many chances to win that game. And, you know, they shot so poorly. And then, you know, the, the issues from the free throw line and, you know, it was almost like the perfect storm, and I just don't think that's going to happen against a disciplined team like Michigan that does a lot of the little things right. You know what I mean? And, you know, I think Michigan eventually is going to be able to wear them down and pull away. They pulled away a little bit in the beginning, um, but, you know, they let UCLA back into it. UCLA hit a couple threes, and now we're seeing a little bit of a tight game. But this could be a low-scoring game, um, but I definitely like Michigan here. Yeah, I do as well. Right now, still 17-16 ball game. Another minute has gone by, and this is ugly. It's like a football game. Oh, this is an ugly basketball game. Please, I, I, I don't know. This is the first time where I'm like, all right, maybe this maybe this isn't great. Well, I'm watching Louisville and Stanford women's basketball, and they are draining shots and a really good game happening right now uh, between Stanford and Louisville. Uh, Stanford was down by, I think, 12 points at the half. Now in the fourth quarter, nine minutes left, they're up by one. So that's been a very good game. But moving on to the final four matchup that we do have set, Baylor and Houston. I mean, are you giving Houston a shot? Because I don't feel like anybody else is, and I'm not either. I'm taking that five, and I'm taking it with relative ease, uh, not even thinking twice about it with Baylor. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm taking Houston. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be on Houston here plus the five. Wow, are um, you really? I, yeah, yeah, I am. I am. I think that, um, you know, Houston, just the way they play with their defense, like I know that a lot of it is, oh, you know, they haven't played the competition. They haven't played the competition. You know, we keep hearing that. But, you know, they, they beat who's in front of them. You know what I mean? And, and listen, I think that they're the way that they play – um, that defensive style, anytime you can get points with a team that has been successful as them and plays defense the way they do, um, I'm going to take the points with the dog in that spot. So I'm happy to be getting a number like five with Houston. Um, I am going to take them. Will I go money line? No. You know what I mean? I mean, Baylor, listen, it's Baylor Gonzaga, and we knew that going in, right? That's like the marquee matchup everyone wants to see. That's your Manning versus Brady. That's your Ali Frazier, right? That that that's what everybody wants to see, and they're the top two teams. But um, I think Houston's live here. Um, but you know, I'm I'm going to be happy to take the points. I, I don't know if I'm going to play the money line, but that five, I'm all over that with Houston. So if you're if you're over the five, that means or all over the five, does that mean you're going under as well? Because I mean, I don't know where the scoring is going to come for Houston. They can. I mean, Grimes is an incredible player, uh, but they just haven't shot very well and scored very many points this tournament and haven't really all season. Does that mean you're also expecting kind of a low-scoring game? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the only way they're going to cover. You know what I mean? That's the only way they're going to win. If they get if they, if they they lose tempo and, and Baylor is able to dictate the pace of the game, you know, they're in deep trouble because they're not going to be able to score with Baylor for sure. But they need to play, you know, play defense lock them down, and listen, Baylor can play defense too, so I think it's going to be that type of game. Um, I think it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a low-paced game. It's going to come down to the last couple shots, and, you know, when you get in those situations, those points become valuable, so uh, Houston's been good to me so far. I think they're going to keep being good to me. You know, I'm invested. I got the plus 2,500 ticket for them to win the whole thing, so I'm not going to stop at the final four. Oh, man, look at you. Look, I've been a Houston guy, Mark Drumheller. I've been on the Houston train with you, but man, I don't know if I can go that far now with the with the way I've seen their offense. I've, I mean, I, I I've been talking about them for national championship and final four, and they made it, but I, I don't know how much farther they can go with the way they're playing offensively. Yeah, it's I tell you, it's going to be interesting to see with Baylor. You know, is, can they score enough to kind of stay in that game? But I uh, listen, I think it's a team everybody counted them out. Like everybody said. You know, when this tournament started, that they were the team. Oh, it was all the Big Ten teams, and you know, Houston couldn't hang with any of these teams. And they show up and they handle business. And each round in the tournament, you know, they were going to get upset. You know, they're they're the team that really doesn't belong. And and they just continue to win and they continue to prove people wrong. Listen, they they play great defense. They rebound. They do all the little things. And when the games get close, they have the mental toughness to kind of pull through. Um, and it'll be interesting if them and Baylor, if it comes down to, you know, a couple possessions, if Baylor's not able to kind of run them out of the gym and it comes down to, you know, the last 30 seconds or so, um, I think, I think my money's on Houston in that situation. So if Gonzaga were to face Michigan, let's just say, you know, stay under the assumption Michigan does win this game, which I do think they should. It's a close one. They're down one right now with three minutes. Uh, but I, I don't know if I expect UCLA to really win this. So let's say under the assumption it's Gonzaga, Michigan, and then if we want to, we can go through the scenario of the UCLA game uh, with them in the Final Four. But what what do you think about the Gonzaga potential Gonzaga-Michigan matchup? What do you think the line would be for that one as well? Do you think it'd be sort of similar to Baylor-Houston? Ooh, it would probably be more, right? Like I think you would take too much Gonzaga money if you're just laying five in that spot. Um, so I think it would have to be higher. 
I mean, does it get to double digits? You know, probably not. But probably, right, I mean, it's tough, right? Because if you look at it, I mean, tonight was what, nine, eight and a half, nine? It was kind of back and forth on that. So, yeah, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was probably somewhere in the middle, I would think. But I don't think it would be five. I think it would be probably higher. I mean, it would probably be, might even be like six and a half, seven, somewhere in that range. Um, but it's tough, man, because they're going to take a lot of Gonzaga money regardless. Yes, so they are. <laughs> to, it's going to be inflated, man. So it, that's, a, that's an interesting thought is that, you know, what do they open that lineup against Michigan? No. Um, All right. Definitely more than five, though. Let's go the UCLA way. I mean, because UCLA is now up by three. They look pretty good right now. Now, the second half could be a different story. Who knows? But, hey, UCLA's up, so let's go that, through that scenario. What do you think the line would be in that case? I mean, that that's the one that would be close to double digits. Probably more, Gotta right? Be double yeah. It's got to be double digits because I think you, you would just, yeah, you're just, a, I mean, you got Cinderella against, you know, Goliath. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, and as much as I like UCLA and how good they've been to me at the tournament so far and they're hanging in there against Michigan, um, it would have to be double digits, I would think, against Gonzaga. Or I think people are running to the window to bet the Bulldogs. Look at you putting a biblical reference in with a like Disney reference. There you go. That's that's how we do it here on the Gambler. Goliath <laughs> versus Cinderella. <laughs> hey, we get the point. We get the point, right? Oh, we, oh, we get the point. Yeah, I just I found that one very interesting. I've never Goliath Cinderella. That sounds like a fun matchup. Uh, I have a feeling Goliath Goliath would win that one. Uh, just saying. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I'll tell you what, if it's if it's UCLA Gonzaga, I think. Uh, Oh, Gonzaga man, got to. Yeah, well. Gonzaga would have to. Uh, we're talking with Mark Drummiller on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline at X underscore Drumheller. Uh, so I, one, one thing I do talk a lot with you about is uh, pucks and sticks. Uh, talking about the hockey. Uh, how have you been doing with hockey lately? And uh, there are a lot of games on the board for tomorrow, and of course one game in particular I want to talk with you about. Uh, but a- anything uh, with hockey that's been going well for you lately? Yeah, we did. We did go tonight. I kind of switched up. I was playing those um, period totals, and it was working out really well. But a lot of the odds have started to move, so um, it's a lot of like you start to you know kind of see the stats and how they play out and, and bet into these numbers. And now they're, we're seeing them kind of creep around, you know, minus one eighty, <clears throat> minus two hundred in some spots for these, you know, third period overs or first period unders, depending on how you want to bet it. So I, I, the past week or so I've been taking, you know, my top two plays and just parlaying them just to kind of get the odds down. And, uh, you know, we hit it tonight. We hit it with the, uh, it was the Rangers Capitals first period over. And then we had the Blue Jackets uh, lightning second period over. So we hit the parlay there, paid off a of plus 143. Um, not a big parlay guy, but, for a two-teamer in a situation where, like, I'm running these period totals and I'm just betting into 180 to minus 200 every time. So, um, you know, the implied odds are I'm going to have to win, you know, much more than your typical 55% that you would have to win in order to make a profit. So um, I decided to kind of roll the top two into a parlay and kind of go with that to see how that works. Um, And so far, it's been pretty good. It's been pretty good. You know, we don't hit them every night. Obviously, you miss one. That kills the parlay, but we've hit a couple times this week, so um, that's definitely enough because we're getting plus money on them. There you go. Always like hearing plus money. Any anything with underdogs or plus money always sounds good to me. And I don't know if I like the plus money in this game. I do a little bit. Um, man, the Flyers are a mess. Like 
Is this is this Flyer Sabres game maybe in all of sports one of the most unbettable games you've ever seen? Like uh, minus one ninety for the Flyers? Heck no! I'm ever putting that number on the money line on the Flyers, and heck no! Am I even betting the Sabres at plus one sixty three? I'm not betting Sabres money line no matter what. They've lost eighteen straight. I mean this this is just completely unbettable. Yeah, yeah. I mean the Flyers. I've, I've just been betting you over. I mean, I think that's really yeah. There you play. go. That's the play. Yeah, with the Flyers. I mean that that's what you do. Um, you know because they're just a complete mess right now, and it's it's kind of sad. Like you know what I mean? Because there was so much promise coming into the season, but that's the way I attack the Flyers. Is I just bet the total um, because you know I, I don't bet against them. So if I'm going to bet them, I'm going to bet them to win, and they haven't been winning much at all lately. So I got to attack the total in these Flyers games, and you know their defense—they've been an over team all year, and the defense isn't getting any better. Uh, you know they wave ghosts, so um, you know they recognize that there's some huge issues there, and I just think no matter who they play, you know they're going to let up goals. Unfortunately, that, that's how it is. So um, I think the over is always in play with the Flyers. Yeah, is that one of the most sure bets in hockey right now? I don't, of course, know what the trends are, but, I mean, it's just a perfect storm of they're playing poorly, their defense stinks, and their goaltending's awful. Like, it just seems like a perfect storm of, hey, let's bet the over all the time. Yeah, and they can't make it high enough. Like, depending, like, even that Buffalo game, like, the last time they played, I hit the over on it, and they had it at five and a half. They opened it just because Buffalo is so poor, they, they, you know what I mean? It's like they can't open it at like six and a half, seven, you know what I mean? Because then, you know, it, it just doesn't make sense. But, the, you know, the Flyers, no matter who they're playing, they're going to let up goals, man. And you saw it against Buffalo the first game, you know? So I think that that's really how you attack the team right now is you just play the over, you play the total. That way you can root for them to score and you don't get too upset when they let up goals, right? Yeah, we're talking with Mark Drumheller at X underscore Drumheller's where you can find him on Twitter. And we're getting closer to the baseball season. And I know you're not the biggest uh, baseball guy, but you still follow a little bit. And especially the Phillies, because I'm sure you are a Phillies fan. Um, a lot of the conversation lately has been about the Phillies winning the NL East. I mean, Sean Brace brought up uh, a VEASAN uh, article talking about the value of the Phillies as a World Series, and I'm not disputing that uh, because it's really long shot odds, and they have a good offense, all of that. So things that you like, but uh, I just what do you make of all of it? Basically, is where I'm trying to get at because I can't wrap my head around it because I just don't see it compared to everything else in the National League, and especially just looking specifically at their division with the Braves. I just I don't see it. Uh, so why why do you think it's getting to this? The conversation's getting this far into they're going to be uh, better than the Braves and win the National League East because I I just can't wrap my head around that. Well, and I think this typically happens with with teams and across all sports, and I think we're seeing it with the Phillies right now. Is is this a team that is so unbalanced last year? Right. So you talk about oh they can hit the ball really well, and the pitching was just so terrible that they target people target those teams I think when they, they try and find value um in the market and they they make an assumption that there's definitely gonna be positive regression, right? As far as the pitching's concerned, because, you know, they can't be that bad again. And they went out and they got Archie Bradley and they kind of addressed it a little bit. You know, they might have dressed it up a little bit, might not have changed that much, right? But um, they made it look a little better, and I think that that's attractive to some people. And they think, well, if the pitching's better, then they don't blow all these games. They're just going to get all these wins, right? But what they don't account for is that 
you know, there, there could be negative, you know, regression with the hitting. You know, like we're, we're making an assumption that this lineup is going to come back and be as strong as it was before. Um, you know, I think that Reese Hoskins is still a question mark. I think there's some question marks on the team. You know, they're counting on the young kid, you know, bomb to, you know, come in here and, you know, and continue to progress. But, you know, we, we haven't seen that um, from young players in this organization. You look at Hoskins, you look at Kingery. Um, so, you know, to assume that there's going to be, you know, this type of progression from their young players, I, I think is taking a little bit of a leap. Um, you know, obviously they have the star power with Bryce Harper, but, you know, McCutcheon's back off injury. Is he going to continue to stay healthy? You know, he's not a younger player. So um, I think there's some question marks with the lineup. Like, even if the pitching is a little better, you know, you, you in order for them to make that jump, they're going to have to be very consistent on the offensive end. And for them to do that two years in a row, I think is a lot to ask. So, um, I, you know, I, I need to see it with the Phillies first. I feel like I've been down this road with them before. Um, and I'm just not sure. Like, I think, to, to, you know, when people look at that team, they think, well, the pitching has to be better and the hitting is going to be just as good. There won't be any negative regression there. And I'm not sure that's something that I buy into. Yeah, so you know what? Now that now you, they, that you bring it up, and you don't have to name any specific teams here, but what do you look for when you're looking at some value in the futures market? Because with the Phillies, I completely agree with you. It's just it, it's thinking that one thing like the bullpen is going to get better and think everything else is going to stay the same. It For the most part, that never happens. And it's really hard to predict that the lineup, just because it's all back together, the same players and the same names, that the same numbers are going to happen happen i like their lineup but to think that's going to happen just man it's, it's you're, you're thinking of a lot of things staying the same and one thing getting that much better and it usually never happens so what do you look for when you're looking for a futures play or you're looking for a team that has some value uh what are the things you do look for yeah you want to look for like players like organizations that show a lot of young promise right and you think of like you know toronto and teams like that that are just starting to kind of come up now the market gets ahead of them so you're not going to get tremendous value but uh, there are teams that i'll invest in more teams that kind of invest in pitching depth you know and i i think that you know that's something that's going to play a big factor in this major league season is you know the depth of the pitchers um, you know, I don't think, you know, a team like the Phillies, you know, they have, you know, two good starters, you know, and then it's a bunch of question marks, right? And, you know, and I think that, you know, in a, in a long season, you, you need depth pitching. And I think, you know, now this year more than ever. So I think all that kind of comes to account, like, you know, bullpen depth, pitching depth, young players, you know, in organizations that have a track record of developing young players and, and having them succeed, those sort of things um, is what I kind of try and target. Um, and I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that the Phillies are, you know, destined for doom or they won't make the playoffs. Like, I think there is an opportunity for them to make the playoffs. But I think that um, it, it, I've been down this road with them before and I kind of need to see it before I'm willing to take, a, you know, a shot on them and invest, you know, my money into them making that leap. Yeah, and I, I want to go specifically into a, something, you know, a, a, a scenario I see and how you would play it or look at it. Like a team with the White Sox. The White Sox didn't win the division last year, but they made so many leaps and bounds that everybody's expecting, and at least the books as well, the Sox are a heavy favorite in the AL Central. Like they're expected to take another leap forward and end up winning the division. They have the third or fourth shortest odds to win the World Series. While I think a team like the Twins, who are still really good, like you're getting a little bit of value plus money. Like, is it either 
there, there's a couple ways of looking at it. Either the White Sox are that good and just the market has caught up too much with them, or the Twins are being undervalued here and we're taking too much of a leap with the White Sox. Uh, because I, I'm not expecting the White Sox to win the division. I, I just think it's a little bit too much and they still have some problems, especially in their starting rotation. But when you see a scenario like that, like a young team take maybe too much of a step forward that nobody really expected... And a team like the Twins, good veteran presence, solid team. Uh, how do you usually look at a scenario like that? Yeah, I think you're you're right on the money. Like when you compare those teams, and that kind of leads into my example, right? So you know when when teams look at the White Sox, they're like, oh well, the, you know they they hit well, the lineup matches. They're gonna do the same thing again next year. It's gonna be fine. No one's gonna get hurt. <laughs> Everything's gonna be fine. They're gonna do the exact same thing, right? And then you look at their pitching, and you know they. Sure, you know, they, they have some, some attractive names, you know, Keiko, Lance, Lynn. These are older pitchers, you know what I mean? And you're going to need depth from these guys. Like, the, you know, there's no guarantee that these guys are going to stay healthy. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's that sort of thing. And then you look at a team like Minnesota who, you know, that kind of fits the mold too. Like, they've always had to develop their own players. Like, they don't go out and they're never big spenders in free agency and they, they have to develop their own and, you know, and that that's the sort of team that you can get value on because, you know, they kind of fly under the radar because they're not the, you know, kings of the offseason and they don't make the big splashes. So um, you can usually get a decent price on, on those types of teams. And Minnesota, you know, it's been pretty consistent. Um, so I agree with you. I mean, I think that, you know, a lot of hype behind the White Sox right now, and it doesn't mean that they're not going to deliver and not going to be a great hitting team, but is it going to be enough, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a, you know, through the duration of the season? Yeah, we'll see if that is enough. And yeah, I, I, that's it. That's the thing I'm having a lot of trouble with that we're just expecting things to be the same for next season. I don't know if you can expect it for the White Sox. Young players, could some of them improve? Yes, but also you could probably see some regression a little bit, uh, from those players. And the Phillies too, you know, they're, they're talented, but do I expect them to be the seventh? You know, best lineup in baseball. They have the potential to be, but just to expect it, you know, that easily to be there is tough. It's well, it's hard too because you know, and I know that we've been kind of beating this to death over the past year, but um, it, it's going to be weird to see, you know, how the players react to coming off of last season. Like last season was the, you know, most unconventional season, you know, in Major League Baseball, you know, that we've been a part of, right? And now they have to come back and they have to play, you know, a full season after that, and you know, how how do they adapt? How do they come into, you know? Uh, into the season physically, you know, mentally ready to go. Um, you know, all that stuff plays into it. So I think, you know, much like last year in, in you know, what, what could have been the craziest environment that we witnessed as sports fans, um, you know, I think it's going to be much of the same this year is how do they, you know, how do they come back from that and how, how do they perform, you know what I mean, early in the season. So um, I think there's a lot of question marks still, you know, with, you know, how these teams come in here and conditioning and, and all that. So I think all that kind of plays into it. That all definitely plays into it. And, uh, you know, I think that's pretty good as we're now a couple of days away from opening day, uh, really attacking the futures market. And I think holding off on a team like the Phillies, just, I, I think you said it during the, the break when we were talking, we were just about to go on air. And I completely agree with it. Just wait and see. Wait to see it actually happen first. And do you lose a little bit of value? Sure. But the Phillies haven't done this in a decade. Maybe wait to see it first before you attack it so aggressively. Uh, and I think that's where I'm at. Mark, 
Always excellent job. Didn't even get to go through some of the FCS uh, things with you, uh, but glad we got to go through that because, uh, yeah, that's, I think, a great way to put it uh, for the MLB Futures Market, especially for the Phillies. Always great talking to you. Follow him at X underscore Drumheller. Mark, thanks for joining me tonight. All right. Thanks for having me, John. That is Mark Drumheller joining me on the Dr. Vlad Rico hairline again. Sports wagering wizard. Follow him at X underscore Drumheller.